2: Welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. My name is Kate Pusser, and I am the managing editor of Lookout Landing. And I am joined today by a special guest, Mariner's Prospect Lewis Boyd. Lewis, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. How are you?
2: I'm good as well. Is it can I call you Lou or Lewis or what? Whatever name? you want. You Whatever's you? easiest. Uh, well I see on, on Twitter whenever I tweet about you, I get a Lou. And you know that is a, that's a special, that's a special name in Seattle uh, Mariner's history. I don't know if you know that.
0: Not exactly, but I mean, in Canucks history, Roberto Luongo, that was our, that was our guy for a while, so. Oh, Lou. Yeah, the Lou chant's been going on for a long time.
2: Well, Lou in Seattle means uh, Lou Pinella. The- oh, of
0: course, Lou Pinella. Who doesn't yeah. know Lou Pinella?
2: Well, I, I, you can be a little forgiven because you did not grow up a Mariners fan. I think I feel like we need to get this—we need to get this out in the open. We need to start this relationship off on, you know, with honesty. Cannot build on a foundation of lies. You grew up a Blue Jays fan.
0: Yeah, I mean, when I was growing up, I was really a Derek Jeter fan, which was uh, a little controversial. I mean, AL East, all this and that, but. Uh, but, yeah, I loved Derek Jeter, loved all that. But after he retired, stuck with the Blue Jays. I love Safeco. I grew up watching a bunch of games there, whether it was the Jays, the Yankees, the Red Sox. Would love to always go there whenever possible. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Mariners were a fun team to watch when I was growing up as well. So it was always a good game in that park.
2: You grew up in uh, – well, you're from the Vancouver area, right? Uh, so where where did you grow up exactly?
0: Exactly North Vancouver. Little, let's say fifteen, 20 minutes from downtown.
2: Oh, so so really Vancouver, Vancouver.
0: Pretty close, yeah, pretty close. Uh, so
2: you're joining our fine Canadian tradition of um, we have we've had a fair amount of Canadian prospects come through the system over the years, obviously, James Paxton, um, but also, you know, Tyler O'Neill, Gareth Morgan. Alex Liddy, um, we've had we've had a fair amount all scouted by legendary scout um, Wayne Norton, who unfortunately passed away this past year. Did Wayne scout you, or did you ever have any contact with him?
0: Uh, no, never scouted by him. Uh, he drafted one of my really good friends, Lachlan Fontaine.
2: Ah, uh, yes, yes.
0: So uh, I've, I definitely knew about him through Lachlan, but uh, never actually got to speak with him.
2: Because you were not heavily scouted coming out of high school, right?
0: No, I think I had three kind of offers and had no D1 offers for sure. So uh went the JUCO route. I absolutely loved it.
2: Yes, tell us a little bit about that, because you played in kind of an interesting place with the – in is it Co- Cochise College? Co- Cochise, okay. Cochise College in – where in Arizona?
0: Douglas, Arizona, which is 15 minutes away from the Mexican border. Wow. So, so deep, deep in Arizona, in the middle of nowhere, you got maybe like a Walmart, a McDonald's, Burger King, and a Dairy Queen. That's pretty much what you worked with down there.
2: <laughs> wow. Um, so, I imagine that that probably, although it was not so much fun on the, on the, um, you know, social scene side uh, was probably really good for your baseball game.
0: Right. And I mean, that's kind of what it's all about. That's one of the selling points where at other schools, there's a lot of distractions that can get in your way from your development. And I mean, as a junior college player, you're there because you're not good enough to be a D1 player, pretty much. So development's the most important thing. And the coach there, Todd Engelhart, he's unbelievable, took me in right away, taught me everything he knows. And I definitely idolized that man, he's an incredible mind of the game and taught me a lot over the couple of years that I was there.
2: What is, um? what's one of the things that you, one of the biggest things you took away from your time there?
0: Honestly, I would just say being able to handle a lot of adversity. That's mm-hmm. probably the most important thing, I mean the fields there are awful and so you're getting lots of bad hops you have to learn to charge the ball rather than wait on it you got to deal with bad umpires from an early start in college you got to deal with double headers twice a week which a lot of people aren't used to so the travel's brutal compared to d1 with waking up at like three four in the morning driving five hours playing two games and then driving back that night so there's a lot of adversity going on and i'm in hindsight I'm incredibly appreciative for that experience because that's totally set me up for the rest of my career.
2: Yeah, minor league life doesn't look so hard after uh after you're already used to that, right? You're already ready for the PCL and uh, and Pacific Coast League travel.
0: Right. I've I've got my ideal bus sitting position and <laughs> learned how to sleep on the bus early, so that's that's definitely helpful.
2: I'm right, season pro. <laughs> um uh... You had some other adversity to deal with there, right? Where you had some mysterious
0: um, illness problems, right? It was, uh, it was concussion like symptoms that I was dealing with for a while. And that shut me down for my freshman year at kochi So, so I was a red shirt senior when I was drafted. And thankfully I was set up with an appointment with a concussion specialist. He works with a bunch of NHL players, NHL teams, and, uh, he fixed me up in literally 45 minutes, and it was the most mind-blowing thing that I've ever experienced in my entire life, and after that, I was like, well, am I going to be able to play again? And he was like, oh, for sure. Go contact your coach.
2: Oh, my God. That must have been one of the best days of your life.
0: Yeah, it was completely unexpected. I had no expectations going into it and couldn't be happier with the outcome, obviously.
2: Uh, what did he do? I, what,
0: what was wrong? Super hard to explain. He's got his own theory with how the brain and the spinal cord connects with the rest of your body, with all, the, with all the stimuli and everything, and how all those signals get sent through your body, and he did this full body strength test kind of thing, testing out my leg strength, like my ankle strength, all these weird intricate things, and he found this one spot where I had no strength at all. And so through his theory, I do not, I can't even wrap my mind around it. He figured out what was causing that problem, that inefficiency in strength. And he would press on a bunch of pressure points in my neck, on my face, inside my mouth even. And like the roof of my mouth, he'd be pressing on some spot and doing all this to straighten out, I think, one bone that's connected at the temple's. And that wasn't causing uh, the signals to run down through my body at the right rate or whatever. So I was seeing stars a lot and kind of always having a headache and stuff like that. So, And he told me to sit up and the stars were gone. Headache was gone. And it was was unbelievable.
2: That is amazing. And it's not the only time you have stories like this in your career. I think that's something that we'll get into that a little later that... Um, you kind of have had your career, uh, you know, on life support a couple times only to be revived in these really cool, interesting ways. Uh, but let's get into your time at Arizona a little bit, because, uh, again, there's there's a good story in there, too. Um, so after you're done at Cochise, you transfer to University of Arizona. Uh, tell me a little bit about your time there
0: honestly words can't explain how awesome that school university program everything about it is there's such an awesome support staff there the coaching staff is unbelievable the academic side they do whatever you need for to be the most prepared possible and to have the best grades, so you don't have to worry about school while you're playing and then I mean, the I fans mean, you, are unbelievable you didn't have too. To worry
2: about, you didn't have to worry about academics anyway. I see you are a uh, first team all academic with a 3.79 GPA. So uh, I, t- t- I took a lot exactly, of pride in that. I took a lot of pride exactly in that. A good, good, as you should. So, I mean, a little bit of that is your own, but it sounds like you had some great support there. And then, yeah, the fa- t- tell us more about the fans and the experience of uh, playing in that gigantic stadium.
0: Yeah, it it is a big stadium, and uh, the lack of home runs and doubles really uh, doesn't make me look too good in that stadium, but <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, the fans are unreal, and I think I really noticed that this, this year, even though I'm not on the team, I've been to a couple games, and just the fans, like, they welcome me back with open arms, you know, just all the super fans we have, the season ticket holders, the boosters, they're just they're always so happy to see you and willing to talk to you about baseball and about life. And you just you feel so supported when you play in that program. And I think that's a pretty rare thing where it's not just, OK, you have your parents support and maybe your coach if you're on his good side. But all the fans are behind you. The whole city's behind you. They show out every weekend with I think we average over 3,000 fans. If ASU's in town, we'll get seven or 8,000. And it's just an unbelievable atmosphere and so amazing to play on that field every weekend.
2: What a big change that must have been for you from going to, you know, playing on poor fields, long bus rides, playing in front of very few people to all of a sudden, you know, playing in front of five, six, 7,000 people, all of whom are totally invested.
0: It was a bit of a difference at the start. I'm <laughs> thankful for my freshman year at East where we went to the Junior College World Series. We had an awesome team, a bunch of grinders on that team. That's why we were there. And kind of got my first taste of a real crowd. And even though we didn't do as well as I hoped we would, it was awesome to have that experience with. Feeling that pressure on you. I made two errors in the first game. I was just uh-huh. like the game was so sped up on me and i'm so happy that that happened at that point in my career rather than a little later on so that was awesome
2: recognizing that that is going to be something that you i mean that's going to happen you're going to as you move up the lights will get brighter and the pressure will get more intense and uh, you'll falter sometimes so just developing the mental fortitude to you know, get back into your game, get back into doing what you're good at, right? I know that's something the Mariners are huge on, um, especially this year. They're really pushing the mental side of things. And it seems like um, your game specifically really fits in with that. Um, You mentioned your coach, and there's, I think, a really telling quote from him, Jay Johnson. He called you a special dude. And said, "That's one you wish you could coach forever." That quote was really, really stood out to me. He's kind of talking about, "Oh, you have thirty-five guys. You love all your guys, but man, I, I wish I could coach that kid forever." That is some high praise.
0: Yeah, Coach Johnson, we we have a pretty awesome relationship. I mean, we were coming into U of A in the same year as our first year, really, as a lot of us were, and. uh Just an awesome person, you know. Another guy that makes you incredibly comfortable playing the game of baseball and really cares about you as a person. I think that's what really sets him apart. He's not just a baseball coach. Like, he really cares about how you're doing and how school's going. And that – I can't say enough good things about that man. And I'm at the field all the time, and he's just – whenever I want to practice with the team, go out there, take some reps – hit with the team, hit on the field, take ground balls, help out with coaching if you can, if you have some some pointers here and there if you see something that maybe we don't like I, I can't I can't say enough good things about him. He's he's the best.
2: Well, I was looking at um, I think an article from Tucson.com and it listed what your role was on that team and the role I wasn't aware that this was a um, an actual baseball job um, but your role was listed as spark plug um, speed and unselfishness no wildcat is better at moving runners over um, so clearly when you have a guy who is just there to play for his teammates I think that's always that's a good way to to become a favorite player of the coach when you play for all the other guys ahead of you not just for yourself
0: right I mean we had like 2016 we had Raymer and Gibby at the top of the lineup, with Aggie and Dahlbeck and Matajevic and Oliva and our whole lineup. It was just like all I wanted to do was get on base <laughs> so I could score, and so I could get them up. Like it was their talent, their offensive abilities blew my mind. So it was just I don't, I didn't, I honestly didn't care if I had to bunt every single at bat, and I think I did in a couple in a couple of games. I <laughs> But it is what it is because we would win ball games because they just, whenever they were at the plate, they would drive in the runs and that yeah, was an awesome team to be a part of.
2: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your game um, because obviously you're not the biggest guy, you're not the power hitting guy, um, but what is what, what is your game? What is your approach?
0: First off, I love defense. Defense is my baby, it's my pride and joy. And you
2: are an actual shortstop, not someone who was drafted as shortstop who is like not going to stick at the position. You are a natural shortstop.
0: I would love to stick at the position, but I've also I bounce around a lot this first season with the uh, different levels, and I love third base too. I never really played it, but it's kind of just like a, a shorter shortstop.
2: <laughs> You're just
0: a little closer in, and second base is fun too shorter throw so you don't have to worry about it too much that's kind of nice so the Mariners uh, have
2: you playing all over you think they're maybe sort of grooming you for like an infield utility role
0: possibly I mean hey if I can stick at shortstop that that would be just fine with me
2: well I have seen some highlight reel plays of you at shortstop just ranging all over making this this playing this crazy hop, this ball took this crazy hop and you just sort of leapt up and snared it and flipped it. Ah, I'll I'll embed the video when I post this article, but it was really some impressive plays.
0: Thank you, yeah, I mean, I love defense. I love being out there, that's why I love the game. I mean, especially with pitchers, I have to bring it up, just being behind Banny that's it's like Nathan, Nathan, Nathan Bannister, Bannister, sorry, yeah. He's
2: a Mariner's prospect. He's yes. in Modesto right
0: now. He's unreal. He's he's destined for the big leagues for sure. And uh playing behind him that whole year it was it was like the most comfortable feeling I've ever had as a shortstop.
2: Give us Just... a little scouting report on Bannister because like I said, he's a recent draftee. He hasn't played above Modesto. I don't I don't know that a lot of guys know who or a lot of people know who he is.
0: Right. He's uh He's a guy that can straight-up pitch. I feel like right now we're in such an age of velos everything and guys that throw 97-100, like, they're who you want. But this guy's got such movement on his fastball, can pitch inside, outside, high, low. His change-up is disgusting. (laughs) And he's got a pretty good curveball, too, which has kind of come out of nowhere, and it did. That's kind of why we made that run to Omaha. And... He just keeps you off balance, and he can throw any pitch at any time. And I mean, his nickname's Big Game Banny, yeah. and that I mean that speaks for itself. He's uh, when when anything's on the line, he's he's the guy you want on the hill for sure.
2: Yeah, not a guy who gets a ton of attention. I think even in um, even in Seattle system, which doesn't have a lot of starting pitching, I really thought he would kind of climb onto some of those prospect watch lists, but.
0: The, the great thing about him, though, is he, he doesn't need the, the recognition to keep going. He, he's a guy that he's so mentally strong, which is why he fits in perfectly with this organization. And he empowers himself to be the best guy that day whenever he's starting and he shows it. I mean, he made the first AAA spot start that he made. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> I, th- I think he got a call at, like, 2 a.m. and got on the plane at 6 and then threw, like, seven scoreless or something <laughs> that, like that. That was, that was incredible. So I, I, I think an outing like that and a whole experience like that really personifies Nathan Bannister.
2: Uh, well, he's definitely one to watch. And hopefully you will get a chance to play behind him again soon.
0: That, that's honestly, like, one of my goals Everyone asks me, like, hey, what level do you want to get up to? Like, I know you want to make the bigs, but, like, what's realistic, this and that. It's like, I just want to play behind Nathan Bannister again. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever level's he at, that's where I want to be at.
2: So (laughs) Maybe you'll get a chance in the spring. You know, a lot lot happens during spring training. I
0: would absolutely love that.
2: Um, Let's talk a little bit then, because I want to get into the idea of mental skills and what this organization values and how you fit it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, first of all, we have to talk about your, um, the one home run that you've hit, that you hit as a, as a wildcat. I think we just have to talk about that and then we can talk about your draft day a little bit.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was a pretty crazy moment. Uh, I hit a couple home runs in junior college, but, uh, never had one at Arizona it wasn't really my role. I didn't really try and do too much kind of thing. And, uh. We were and it's down. not a
2: friendly stadium for hitting home runs. No, I mean,
0: by so. no means. I I mean, if we were playing at home, if we were hosting that regional, I would not have a home run in my career <laughs> at Arizona. I can guarantee you that it just <laughs> snuck over the wall. So, uh, but yeah, I think it was like a 9-2 nine to, nine to game in the ninth. I was leading off, and they were pitching me in all games, so I s- stepped off the plate a little bit and... Swung as hard as I could, and <laughs> thankfully it it snuck its way out somehow. Maybe some wind kind of gusted up behind it as I hit it, but uh, but yeah, it was pretty cool. And I th- my my favorite part about it, and I have a video on my phone of it, and I watch it from time to time, is the support for my team, and like that's honestly the coolest thing when I crossed home plate, like JJ's tapping me. Like, slap my back after, and Kyle Lewis gives me a big hug. Robbie Medell, like, all the boys in the dugout, they're all so happy for me, and that's that's my favorite part about it. It's not even that a hit home run. It's just, like, right. since it's that was my so last inning. Right, that was my last inning. Like, a lot of our last innings is as a Wildcat, and I thought for my career, I thought that was it. And, uh, but just to see that, like, everything come together at the end and all the camaraderie and everything. It was, it's an awesome moment.
2: It's a baseball movie moment, honestly. Um, Well, heightened by the fact that you did think that that was, that was kind of it for you. What were your post-grad plans?
0: I was thankful enough and fortunate enough to, uh, to get an internship with Nike at their headquarters as a sales, uh, sales analyst and I flew out to Oregon after the season was over and started the internship and that was my plan like baseball I thought was kind of over for me and just kind of moved on to the next stage of life and I was soaking everything up with Nike and they're such a cool company by the way I was only there for a few days because because of the draft but uh God just what what they preach over there and and how how well they work together, how well they communicate and how just everything works as one since it's such a massive company with so many different departments. It's it's pretty special and that's definitely why Nike is what it is.
2: Well, hopefully you still have an open door there just in case, but but life kind of pushed you in a different direction.
0: And that's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine with me.
2: So, you're not even paying attention to the draft then. You weren't expecting to get drafted. You're just at Nike thinking, you know, this is just a regular work day for you.
0: I mean, kind of. So, for the first two days of the draft, I was just praying JJ would go on the first day and he did. Mm. That was awesome. And then, you know, looking for guys like Ollie and Ming and Cloney on the second day and They were all, I think Ming had to wait for the third day just at the start. I thought he should have went on the second day. It blew my mind a little bit. But uh, just watching for all my teammates and all my buddies that were draft eligible. But then the night before the third day, I wasn't, I thought like there was no chance. Uh, My coach gave me a call. And uh, he had talked to Amanda, the scout that that took me.
2: Amanda Hopkins.
0: Yeah, awesome, awesome person. And uh, and yeah, and he was just like, "Hey, something might be in the works tomorrow." So uh, I'd start watching the draft tomorrow. I was like, "Okay." Well, I mean, I'm working. Like, I was at work. I'm working a like an eight to four job kind of thing. And thankfully, I had a meeting, and I was in a meeting, and I got a call from Amanda, and so I quickly had to step out, apologize, and step out. And she was like, Hey, if we take you right now, like are you gonna leave Nike? And I was like, One hundred percent, like, <laughs> let's go. And so hung up the she was like, Okay, get ready. And I hung up the phone and then biked over to the other Nike campus that I was working on and looked at my phone. Was about to go in. I think the Yankees had the pick before us and before the my phone refreshed and updated the draft tracker, Amanda called me and said they selected me.
2: So pretty, pretty
0: surreal feeling.
2: (laughs) That's crazy. I love hearing draft day stories. They're all special and different in their own ways. But this is this is maybe one of my favorite ones so far. I think the image of you biking furiously (laughs) across the campus. Yeah, I
0: was like, I don't want to miss this, but I had to be (laughs) somewhere at a certain time. So I was, yeah, it was it was a unbelievable moment. And of course, as I'm on the phone with Amanda. Like, just saying congratulations, me thanking her as many times as I can for influencing the Mariners to take me. Uh, Just the phone's just vibrating nonstop. And then I had to figure out how I was going to tell Nike.
2: Oh, right. Because
0: I didn't even know if I was allowed to leave this internship. Like, I was like, I don't even know what my next move is. (laughs) So I went up to my supervisor, and I was like, I don't know how to say this, but... Like I just got drafted and like, I don't know what to do now. And so she, she brought me to my manager and my I told my manager and she jumped up out of excitement and I was, which was awesome. Just shows how awesome Nike is. Gave me a big hug and congratulated me the whole kind of office that we were in congratulated me. And it was, uh, it just kind of sent me on my way. I had to hand in my computer, hand in my ID and, uh, (laughs) And that was that.
2: And off you went to uh, uh, Peoria? Peoria.
0: Yep, yep, Peoria for minicamp. Well, okay. first, first I had to I had them fly me to Tucson because after the season was over, I gave away all my stuff.
2: Oh no! Oh, oh no! You gave away all your baseball stuff because you thought you were done playing.
0: Yeah, I gave it all. Oh, I gave no. my. My buddy cam cannon that's on u of a right now my cleats i I gave away like my bats, I gave away my arm sleeve and like everything i didn't I had my glove and my brace because of an injury from earlier that year and uh and yeah, so I scrambled there. I was calling the equipment manager, I was like, "Can you get me anything so I had a wrong size cleats because they barely had anything left and couple pairs of batting gloves and some sliders and just headed up to phoenix and but yeah it was awesome it was crazy experience
2: i would hope the mariners i know things are tough on the minor leagues but i hope they would give you some equipment if they're going to be drafting you
0: right and i didn't know if they would i I mean i didn't know how it worked (laughs) and they ended up giving us cleats and turfs which is awesome i needed them so still using them today so it's uh Yeah, they're Mariners organization's top class.
2: So just in a moment, you went from seeing yourself in sort of this corporate life to back on the field, you're back in a clubhouse, and you're going to spend the rest of the summer playing baseball.
0: Yeah, that was... uh, It was honestly like I had a new lease on life. It was... Cause you know what, when you're coming to the end of your baseball career, what you think is the end of it, you kind of, you kind of protect yourself a little, you know, you kind of maybe lose the love for the game a little bit and it is what it is because you know, it's probably going to be over soon. So, but once my name got called, it was like, baseball is the best thing ever again. (laughs) I'm
2: back Back in love. baseball. Right.
0: And this is, we are, we are back. And, uh, Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, just just hitting BP, I got like a smile on my face, and just throwing the ball and knowing that's like meaningful again. And oh. yeah, it was the best feeling, unbelievable. And thankfully, I still have this feeling today, and gonna have this feeling for a long time.
2: Well, you um you came in pretty impressively. You know, you ran through the rookie league with a one thirty one WRC plus. Um, they sent you to short season Everett where you had the uh, – you walked as many times as you struck out, posted a 108 WRC+. plus, So, you know, and there you're playing against guys who are first and second-round draft choices, right? So hold yourself up there, and then they sent you to Clinton. So you jump, you moved three levels in your very short amount of time.
0: Right, and I my favorite part about that was – When you get drafted, I mean, you know nobody. You're coming into a brand new organization. Maybe you know a couple guys that got drafted by the Mariners. Maybe you don't. But my favorite part was that I got to meet so many of the guys, whether they were drafted this year, last year, previous years. That that was my favorite part because now going into spring training, I feel like I've got relationships with a bunch of guys and communication on the field is going to be easier and, this and that i feel like everything will be a lot smoother because of
2: that and you've spent a lot of time in peoria at the complex right you're, you're there right now right
0: i'm still in tucson oh you're in, I'm tucson, in tucson right now, right now. yep um, yeah we don't report till the 10th
2: that's right so you'll be heading down for um for my i know that they did some like strength and conditioning camps and had some uh, what what did you do after short season no wait you were in clinton after clinton ended did you go back down? Did you do any of the um, instructional league stuff or... No, we didn't. Or anything?
0: They wanted to send me to their Dominican Winter League, but I was finishing up my last semester of school. So I was down in Tucson, and just immediately... I think I took two days off and then was in the gym five, four or five days a week or something like that. So, yeah, I mean... Didn't really take much time because I knew I didn't really can afford to take the time off. (laughs) So, so yeah, I've just kind of been living in Tucson and enjoying all the facilities here and trying to use them to the best of my ability.
2: Uh, And while you are living in Tucson, so you got to keep something in your back pocket, right? Because you never know how long a baseball career is going to be. I see you are trying to be quote the Tony Romo of baseball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, actually it. All it started, I think, last year. One of my teammates, Robbie Medell, he's he's big into that, big into doing the announcing. He's great at it. He's awesome lingo. He's really sweet. So we actually did a softball game last year, and. The connection with that me and rob had for it. i mean obviously being teammates for two years and all the road trips and everything we meshed together pretty well and it was incredibly fun to do and when i went to cochise i actually started there with uh going for a journalism degree so sports broadcasting has always been something that i've always had really fun doing i think it's a pr- really cool profession and everything so this season, I was, I'm was i good friends with our SID, Daniel Burke, great guy, makes me laugh every single day, he's awesome, and uh, he was like, hey, do you want to do, you should announce some of the games, since you're in town, I was like, that's a good idea, let's do it, <laughs> and so I was like, okay, you want to do this day, yeah, sure, let's do it, and uh, worked beside Adam Gonzalez for the first game, he's sweet great announcer, and Danny Martinez a few days ago. And he's unbelievable as well. And, uh, yeah, just seeing the game from behind the plate, different perspective, being able to make jokes and <laughs> kind of maybe help out not the diehard baseball fan, kind of understand kind of the intricate plays in baseball. It's I, I love doing it. I, w- I wish I could do it more, to be honest.
2: I was pretty impressed. You know, you say, oh, He's got an O and 2 count here. Let's see him expand the zone. Like you sounded like it sounded like an old hand up there. Like uh Canadian Mike Blowers.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's all our pitching coach. I I've heard I've heard that so many times over the last <laughs> 2 years to expand the zone with two strikes. So uh so yeah, I'm just trying to go back on those experiences.
2: Well, always good to keep you know, keep your fingers in a lot of different pies, so to speak to like I said, you never know. And I'm sure as somebody who's had kind of an injury history, you know how quickly that can interfere with your career. Um, One other thing that I thought might be interesting for you to think about is you say your pinned tweet is um, something about helping younger players develop might be the most rewarding thing in life. And I wondered if you could maybe expand on that, talk about um, your perspective on helping other players develop and like, maybe, maybe that points to a different career in baseball for you. Right.
0: Uh, yeah. I absolutely love teaching the game. Whenever, when I'm in Tucson, the off season, I coach a couple kids doing fielding lessons and hitting lessons. Mm-hmm. And, I love doing that because, especially when you have a kid that that I was lucky enough to have that uh, really listen to you, and they're really passionate about the game, and they'll make the little adjustments right away that you ask them to do. And it's just to see that development is such an awesome thing. And even helping out some of the freshmen that are on the U of A this year. You know, if you see something during batting practice, pull them aside. Like, hey, you might want to think about this or whatever, and and then they they try it out and they have success with it and you you just see that smile, you see that sense of gratitude that they have and and they just seem so happy and I think that's such an awesome feeling to have as a person to know that you kind of produce that happiness for them and that it almost makes it not almost, it definitely makes me happier to see other people succeed rather than me. Like I would much rather give a couple pointers to a buddy of mine and have them go three for four that day rather than just see me go three for four. I don't really get anything out of that. So, so yeah, coaching would be an awesome thing to do in the future as well.
2: Definitely sounds like you are a natural-born teacher. Um, Did you have any specific coach or work with anyone that kind of influenced, you know, that informed the way that you're telling guys to do things
0: you know I've I've been super super fortunate with the coaches that I've had in the past um starting in I mean starting when I was when I was a kid my mom was my first coach in t-ball my dad coached me from all the way through little league and then um my high school coach Larson Baulk. he was unbelievable with how much he knew about the little things of baseball and he coached me for I think like five years he, maybe there was one year in between that he didn't but he was with me for sure for four years and uh, the things that I learned from him and just the way he can break the game down in so many different facets is pretty special and so I took that to junior college coach Inglehart was awesome he was able to kind of teach me how to manage a game rather than just play it and kind of control your control your thoughts, control your mind to calm yourself down. And then Jay Johnson, Coach Wanaka, Serge, uh, Coach Lon, they're unbelievable over there at Arizona. And so I've been completely blessed with, with coaches in my life that not only know the game but are awesome people as well and super thankful for that.
2: Well, that approach to... Sort of this, um, I think, very mindful approach to baseball that you have, the focus that you have on doing all the little things well, seems to play in with something that they're doing in the organization where they're really trying to emphasize fundamentals. Uh, They want to get faster on the bases, obviously. Uh, Faster, better, smarter base running is a huge point of emphasis. I'm just curious, so why do you think the Mariners drafted you? What makes you a good fit for this organization?
0: I think kind of what you were touching upon right there. Um, Andy McKay actually spoke to our team last year. Him and uh, Jay have a good relationship, so Jay asked if he would speak to us, and he kind of went over the process, and we're very process-oriented at U of A as well. And
2: mm. Yeah, process is a big word
0: yes very big I word think
2: Andy McKay said he's gonna donate yeah to I saw that <laughs> is that gonna, how much do you think that's gonna set him back honestly oh. he's donating like 10 bucks every time he says the word process
0: yeah I I hope I hope the checkbooks open <laughs> with a pen close to it because yeah that that word is definitely stressed upon as it should be because pro, the right process leads to the right results and uh yeah, I think it was just a a really, really good, fluid transition into, from the U of A to the Mariners. Um, I try and bring some leadership uh, attributes as well, and try and make guys comfortable. Try and make guys as, try and make guys better whenever I can, whatever opportunity I see. And uh, yeah, I just was very happy that they're the team that chose me.
2: <laughs> it does seem to be sort of a a natural fit, I think, when you're talking about what the organization, and this is a bit of a shift for the organization to go into. This has not always been, it's not always been uh, the, the central focus of the Mariners to do things like, you know, we hear all the time about C the Z and uh, PTPAs, and um, I think that you're starting to see in who they're recruiting that influence, I wonder too, if that's maybe partially why they decided to send you to rookie league to, um, which I, you know, your numbers were pretty insane. You did not probably belong in rookie league, but maybe to provide that leadership aspect to some of the really young guys who were there.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun being in the the ACL. It was, it made the transition from college ball to pro ball a lot easier. I mean, your travel is way less. You're, you're at the spring training facility using all their, everything available to you. And so that made the transition very easy. And, uh, and yeah, just helping out the younger guys, we had a lot of college guys there too, which, uh, mm-hmm. we all kind of fed off each other. And it was more of like a, kind of like a college atmosphere for the team, which was cool. We kind of fed off using energy and, uh, you know, we won the first half, which was awesome and we have there's a lot of talented guys on that team and I'm super excited to see uh where everybody's at going into spring training because if we have that much talent in the AZL it's uh it's should be a good future for the Mariners that's for
2: sure who's somebody who doesn't you know obviously we all know the first round draft choice and we know who Sam Carlson is we know who Evan White is um who's somebody that maybe your casual fan doesn't know as much doesn't know the name of who's somebody who you think um is going to be a going to be an impact talent or an up-and-comer
0: yeah for sure um one guy that quickly comes to mind he put up some insane numbers in the azl was uh costello ryan costello Mm. cause for short he was uh his first professional at bat, he went off the batter's eye to straightaway center field at the Big League Spring Training Park.
2: <laughs> wow. So
0: very first at bat, the guy's got real pop and just a real feel for, for the offensive side of things. And uh, I was I always try and help him out with a little bit defensively because if he can become a, a strong third baseman, that, that dude can shoot through the system for sure. Oh yeah! He's, uh, he's incredibly talented really excited to, uh, to be his teammate again.
2: Um, that's funny. We had Tommy Romero on the podcast. Okay. I love Tommy. (laughs) He's a good kid. Um, and he also mentioned Costello as somebody to keep an eye out. So clearly he's he's making an impact there. Um, let's shift back just quickly to kind of close up things. Um, Actually, no. I wanna I wanna talk about what you wanna do, what your goals are for this next year, this upcoming season. And then I'm gonna ask you to give us an a scouting report on Alfonso Rivas. <laughs> I've been I've been eager to get to that at the bottom of my sheet all along because man, what a talent! But let's let's make it about you for a little while longer. And uh, talk about what what you're looking to improve on going into the season. What do they have you working on? I know each player is given kind of a, a chore list to do before they get to move up.
0: Yeah, um, my main thing in the off season that they wanted me to improve on is just my overall strength. At the end of the season, you know, with uh, with the UCL injury mm-hmm. and everything, it was it was. I was pretty skinny, and it was kind of embarrassing, <laughs> to be honest, so uh, I'd be barreling up balls with all I've got, not even going to the wall, and, you know, it's a little depressing at times that you, you can't put a couple out of the park, but, uh, yeah, so they, they want to be in the gym as much as possible, and I've definitely been doing that. That's been my number one focus, and... Uh, you, should,
2: uh, you should go find Dan Altavilla and ask him for some go go Yeah, I I've, him uh, I've heard he's lifting. jacked. Yeah, he is. He is um just his muscles have muscles on them. So go go ask him what his uh what his program is. Actually um I know the Mariners are big with driveline line and that whole program, that right. lifting program. So do you think you might look into that a little bit? I know it's a big presence in the clubhouse. A lot of guys do that.
0: Yeah, possibly. I mean, I'm I'm open to anything as long as it's going to, as long as it's going to improve you, you know? So if I can get better by doing something, it kind of seems weird, uh, weird to choose not to do that. So, (laughs) so yeah, definitely, definitely going to keep that in mind.
2: And the nutrition aspect too. I know that they hit on that really hard in the mini camps.
0: Yeah. Nutrition. My beautiful girlfriend is a nutritional sciences major. So, uh, awesome to have her around. We meal plan every week cook I six out of our seven dinners at home and everything and uh so yeah I mean everything's dialed in from chicken to ground turkey to steak all that's mixed in with some good carbs and proteins and everything so uh thanks to her my diet has been pretty dialed in <laughs> yeah. I, if it's just me I can I can kind of get away from it but
2: uh, <laughs> but
0: yeah so super thankful for her
2: uh your secret weapon all right, so you're going, your goal is to get bigger, stronger. And to
0: running. get where Banny's at.
2: <laughs> get where Banny's at.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's, all, that's, that's what I care about.
2: <laughs> Wherever he is in the system. Yeah. Play well enough that you can play at his level.
0: That's exactly right.
2: Uh, well, my guess is he's going to be in Double A. so that's...
0: I guess that's the goal then. <laughs>
2: You've got some work ahead of you. I know. That's okay
0: with me. That's okay with me.
2: Uh, Awesome. All right, let's get around to talking a little Pac-12 baseball um, because I know that you, since you've been calling some of the games, you've seen some of the people in the conference who stood out. Uh, Obviously, we just had Joe Demers for the Huskies throw a perfect game. Pretty awesome. Who are some other – we'll talk overall the conference and we'll talk Arizona. Who who are some other people who stand out to you?
0: You know, I was never – I was never a guy that really got into like the other Pac-12 prospects kind of thing and who we were going to face. At Arizona, it's all about a faceless opponent, mm. and uh, so like sure, sure, we do we do film and we look at scouting reports and all of that. But uh, I'm a firm believer that say you have a great pitcher on the mound, which I mean once you once you get above maybe the AZL, you're facing pretty much a Friday night guy whenever you're at the plate. And uh, I feel like if you give them a little too much credit, they can be better than they actually are. So we've really tried to just faceless opponent, faceless pitcher, just stick to your plan. So instead of him, since he's really good, obviously, because they are where they're at, they have pretty significant tools and good pitches and all that. But as long as you stick to your plan, it doesn't exactly matter what they're gonna try to do to you. As long as you're really, really confident in what you're doing. I think they say you wanna get to a plan where you're confident even if you fail using that plan. Because the process because more times than not process. is gonna lead to better results. And I mean obviously failing's a part of this game, so you have to be comfortable with failing. With whatever plan that you've invested in, and uh, so yeah, I mean the pitching prospects, I'm probably not the best person to talk to <laughs> about that. So, uh, but from a hitting side, I mean, Madrigal is an obvious guy. Oh my
2: gosh, he's I think he's hurt right now. He is. He's going to be out four to six weeks. But
0: which is a big blow. But I mean, they've they've got a, such a deep team over there.
2: Yeah, Trevor Larnach has just stepped up and started hitting everything.
0: Yeah, he's been really good. I know. Uh, I mean, Bishop's younger brother,
2: Hunter. Yeah. Yeah
0: that that dude was. He was probably the person that impressed me the most. Really. Out of our opponents, last year.
2: It's hard. I mean, he is so big. Like.
0: Yeah, so he's tall. So, Very athletic and just just his his he movements. Runs like a deer. Right. His his movements are the thing that make him a special player and he's got i mean pop that you can't really teach. So uh so yeah, he's uh he's he's going to be a good one in the future, that's for sure. Yeah.
2: I hope that we I, I hope we get him.
0: <laughs> no, I've, I wouldn't mind it. Why?
2: Let's uh let's have both the bishops. I enjoy that. Corner the market on bishops. Uh it's funny cuz he and Brayden are two just totally different players like they're you know, Brayden is all about speed and defense and line drives and hunter is just incredible raw power they're both very fast though It's kind of weird to see a six five guy just like hightailing it around the bases
0: yeah we've we've got a we've got a pitcher on u of a michael flynn he's our saturday night guy that dude runs like a six four six five and he's a six six four six three pitcher it's it's insane the athleticism that he has
2: oh Well, let's talk about some of the guys, some of the guys at Arizona um, who you think might be candidates for the draft or guys to keep our eye on in the future. Obviously, Rivas is the big name, but...
0: Yeah, Rivas, he's an unmissable talent. The dude can rake against any pitcher, any field to any part of the field. And he's unbelievable. I could go on and on about him.
2: Yeah, he's got a a great hit tool, right? Kind of kind of Madrigal esque in that he can just he doesn't strike out, he makes a ton of contact.
0: And the thing that is underrated about him, he's got a couple things actually. His play at first base is unbelievable. He's like a Gold Glove first baseman, and I don't he doesn't get a lot of credit for that. So definitely he he can he can hold his own on the defensive side as well and the mental side you never see that dude get mad Mm. and that is a tough tough quality (laughs) to have and he had it since he was a freshman it was crazy he came in in 2016 and it was just like is this kid 23 years old or is he (laughs) 19 so uh So yeah, he's a special special talent on a lot of levels. Um,
2: It's funny, I don't see him pop up in first round talk, but the skill set you're describing is a first round skill set. Why do you think people are sleeping on him a little?
0: It could be a height thing. He's not like a super physically imposing person. Mm. And maybe, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, not a lot of people do, but he doesn't have J.J. Matajevic pop or, like, Bobby Dalbeck pop that they might be used to seeing from, like, the number three hole guy at Arizona. Or but, a first uh, baseman. Right. But, uh, I mean, the guy can play the outfield. The guy, the guy closed out the game for us to go to the finals of the World Series. So he was a two-way guy as well until recently. So, uh, I mean, that just speaks about his athleticism, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, I don't know if, if it was me, I would, I would take him in the first round for sure. <laughs> he's, he's someone you want in your organization. He does things right and swings the bat better than, I wouldn't say anybody because of, there's a lot of good hitters in the league, but, uh, but I mean, he's definitely up there with the top, top five, I would say top three even. So, uh. So, yeah, in my mind, he's a first-round talent, and there's a lot of other guys too, like Cesar Salazar, our catcher at U of A.
2: Ooh, ooh, tell me more about a catcher, because that is something our organization needs.
0: Unbelievable defensively. Like, maybe the best I've seen defensively. He's got, he's got like, the hands of a shortstop and the reactions of a catcher funnels everything right in front of him when he blocks picks guys off like on back picks throws guys out i, I don't even know if someone's stolen on him yet this year uh, he i know for sure he started out three for three on the year and uh yeah he is he's phenomenal back there and he's really starting to swing it too so uh yeah he's he's someone to watch out for this year cal stevenson he is he's kind of their spark plug he's a senior he's uh Incredibly fast, great barrel control, puts balls in play, great arm from the outfield. Um, God, I know I'm, I'm, our pitchers, Cody Deason, he's going to be up there in the draft. Uh, Michael Flynn, he's going to be up there. I know I'm missing guys too, but there's so many guys there, especially the sophomores. Next year's draft class is special too.
2: Almost oh, sounds like a wealth of talent. Uh, it'll be exciting to see them. Uh, I think they're definitely one of the better teams in the conference. It's sort of Arizona and Oregon State. I'm really going to enjoy watching those games because they should be, that should be some really quality baseball. Um, well, listening to you talk, I sort of, I I can't believe, I'm, I'm not surprised the Mariners drafted you because in drafting you, they got a elite defensive shortstop slash infielder uh somebody who a, a coach um and a scout i mean it's plus maybe somebody who can who can do, pick up some ticket sales on
0: uh i'd company. love to do that <laughs> make the organization some money right
2: <laughs> well you know i think i think minor league teams could use that because that's a maybe you could make enough for uh, you know some uh, like a, a like an ice cream machine machine or
0: something i wouldn't mind that (laughs) might get me away from that whole diet we were talking about earlier but uh that's true we'll see
2: well i'm really excited to see what you do um this upcoming season you know me rooting rooting for you to be able to rejoin your teammate banny at some point and uh, we'll definitely be rooting for you too because you're donating a dollar for every hit that you have over spring training to Braden Bishop's um, drive to help end Alzheimer's.
0: And I'm sorry if I can just interrupt you for a oh, second. Please. If anyone listening to this wants to match that, please tweet at me. It's Lewis Boyd 2. Tweet at me saying you're matching it. I want to get as many matches as possible so we can... Get those donations flowing.
2: Yeah, it's been amazing so far. Just seeing um, the support that he's getting, not only from some major leaguers, you know, Jake Lamb is ex-college uh, teammate, but also our our organization, obviously. A lot of our minors guys. Um, a lot of guys he played with in the Arizona Fall League from different organizations. Um, a lot of guys out of the pack. I think I saw... I can't say his name, Matt, Matt Jevick. Jevick. <laughs> J JJ J. Matajewick, yeah. Matajewick, yeah. yeah, I am not. I just usually just call him JJ J. in my mind. Um, but he tweeted about joining the cause, so it's, uh, I, it's really, I think he said that in the first week he's up to like 2,000 bucks, so. Uh,
0: it took off, just as it should. I mean, I've never actually met Bishop. I'm super excited to meeting him, but. Everything I've read, heard about him, read about him, seems like an awesome person. And he's really doing a phenomenal job with, uh, with, uh, thing, with the charity that he's founded.
2: He's absolutely yeah. using his platform for, for good. And it's exciting to have something like that kind of link everyone together. So definitely, uh, definitely rooting for him. And thank you for jumping in on the cause and doing this. And you'll have to keep us all updated
1: we'll do hit
2: total so we know how much we owe all right well louis we'll look for you over spring training and hopefully uh be able to see you maybe sneak into a game here and there all right and uh definitely be rooting for you next year thank you so much for joining us and talking to us and thank you listeners for listening and we will talk to you next week
1: down to someone else.